What is going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Ryan Hallam and Matt Sells. And yes, it's another edition of the Family Times podcast here. Knee deep into our fantasy baseball draft season. I know that Ryan Hallam has been involved in industry drafts in our fantasy sports industry. I know Matt Sells is involved in just about everything else. And I have been watching one of my favorite things commence, guys, and that is salary cap drafts. And the reason, and I always have said this, and I say it during football, basketball. Now I'm saying it once again in baseball. I know it takes more time doing a salary cap draft. But having the ability to have more control over your team's destiny, it really is appealing to me, Rye. I mean, I don't know. You, you're you a little bit older than me. I don't know how popular. I'm not saying, hey, man, you look younger than me. Let's look at the <laughs> hairlines, man. Our hairlines, you're like 35 years younger than me. But I will say this, Ryan, like, I just don't see how snake drafts even hold a candle to salary cap drafts outside of the it takes less time to do. And I know in this day and age, no one wants to put any extra effort in. Yeah, I was more making that face because I think I'm a lot older than you. Not not that. But uh, uh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I've done, like you said, a number of baseball drafts already. And I swear, I think the earliest pick I've had is eight in any of them. Uh, including like up to 13. So like I've had no shot at Mookie Betts, no shot at Juan Soto, no, no shot at any of these guys. Somehow I got Jacob DeGrom ninth in, in one I was doing. But other than that, like I'm have no chance at studs. So like when I got to the labor auction, I'm like, yeah, man, let's spend some friggin' money and get some of these guys that I can't be getting uh, in these snake drafts. So, uh, of course, it took five and a half hours, but, you know, uh, it's, it's a trade off. But I do. The more I do it, I, I, the more I'm on board with you, like. I want at least a chance at the guys I want, and then I get the opportunity to decide whether I think they're worth it or not. Uh, not that I'm not going to get it because of ADP or where my draft position is. See, it's interesting because I love auction baseball drafts. Uh, like I won't, I don't really like snake baseball drafts, right? But I love auction baseball drafts. But I don't like auction football drafts. I like snake fantasy football drafts. Maybe it's because I don't do well in. Football auction drafts, maybe? Why? Be... I don't know. I've just not had <laughs> success when I do those leagues in, you know, in their auction. But I do, if I did the same well, league, what are, but what it's are a some of your draft? struggles then? I mean, you, you say you don't do well in the auction. What are some of your struggles that you faced in a football auction? I think the problem, I don't know if it's a problem or not, but I think the issue, I guess, is... A football player pool is so much more shallow than a baseball pool, right? And my advantage, and I'm sure Hallam could say this and you could say this about the NBA, is that everybody knows the top guys, right? Everybody knows the first few round players in baseball or football or whatever. But our advantage is when it gets to the mid-rounds and the late rounds and the deeper guys, we can pounce on them because you know, we're around it every day. We do de facto research every day by just paying attention to our jobs, right? That's my advantage in baseball and football drafts. Like, I may get outpaced if you look at projected standings in the first four rounds of a football draft. I might get outpaced, right? But then the back part of the draft, I make up ground in snake drafts. The problem is in auctions it's harder to make up that ground because the player pool is shallow. So everybody's spending more money. And if they see you're on a guy, 
it bids you up on that guy. Whereas baseball, it's a deeper player pool, so it's harder to bid people up in the later sections because everybody needs, like, you know what I'm saying? So let me, so based off what you're saying, and this is what I gather, are you someone that tends to hold their budget for a decent amount of their salary cap draft? Because based off what you're saying, your biggest concern is not with the core rounds, the core bidding. It's with those secondary options. And will you have enough? Because I'm going to combat that and tell you that you have to value dollar value players in fantasy football a lot higher than baseball because of that. Like, Ryan, what do you think? Can you can you get, Ryan, maybe someone who's at the end, a low-end wide receiver, too, for a dollar? I know you could get a bunch of threes. Can you get someone that's a low-end wide receiver, too, for a buck? Because I think you can. I think I think a lot of it is how you play it, and this is what uh, you know I was doing uh, in some baseball this year. Is is some of the strategies also who you're nominating, uh, and when you're nominating. You know, I start out early, maybe necessarily nominating guys I want, uh, but then very quickly I go to nominating guys I don't want until you get to the point where everyone's salary starts to get down lower and everyone starts to get a little uh, you know nervous and pucker their butthole a little bit about spending that extra buck. That's when you start putting your guys out again. So, the, like the nomination process is is one of the strategies that I'm actually starting to enjoy more and more. So, uh, can you get something if, if they can, you know, if they last a while and you can nominate them when everyone's starting to to you know their wallets are getting a little emptier? Yeah, you can get a lot of value, especially in football. Yeah, I mean, I've used strategies of you know nominating a kicker early so you knock that one out because nobody's going to bid you up early on a kicker You're and defenses. First, these first player on the board. No, not the first player that I nominate, <laughs> but like early in a draft, I don't let it go till everybody's at dollar days because then if you get a guy who has a couple of bucks and goes, oh, I'm just going to take the best kicker somebody nominates who's trying to get him for a buck, then you're not going to get him, right? Well, that, but you got to understand that the best kicker and the best defense, they're not going to be when everybody's at dollar days. They're oh, going right. to be I know. Him. That's just why someone, I nominate him someone, early right. because people don't want to spend money early on a kicker, and then you can get the guy you want for a buck when later in the draft they might go for more than that because of the you know same thing with catchers in baseball, right? People – Wait on catcher. So if you nominate him early, except for like JT Real Muto, um, you know, it's just I also have a better grasp of multiple of of a whole lot more strategies when putting together a fantasy baseball team. I think there's more routes to go with fantasy baseball than Agreed. there are in fantasy football, right? Because if you don't get a top six running back in fantasy football. That's going to be a disaster all year. And there's probably not, not going to be that many guys on the waiver wire, right? So it's like your hand is a little bit more forced in football than it is in baseball where you can take elite guys in almost every position and figure out the rest as you go. But, like, the only strategy in, in football really is try to get, like, a top running back and a top wide receiver and then see where the value falls. So I think that's probably why I struggle more in fantasy football auctions than Snip. Like, if you put me in one league that's an auction and one league with the exact same people that's a snake, I guarantee you I will finish higher in a snake in the snake league than the auction league in fantasy football. But it'll be the opposite in baseball. 
I think the other interesting thing that you just brought up, Matt, was the different paths to fantasy baseball to, to form a roster. Because in fantasy football, there's not really multi-position eligibility, which there is in baseball. You get a guy who's got right. first base eligibility and third base eligibility. Maybe he doesn't play third base, but he's got the eligibility. It just opens up the player pool a little bit more in baseball, uh, You know, where you get guys who can play two or three positions, gives you a little more flexibility of, of who to go after and makes the pool a little bit deeper when you're trying to fill those spots. I guess you could say the same thing about the NBA because they're basically position, uh, you know, free at this point, right? Everybody plays everywhere. I mean, LeBron James on DFS sites is like plays like six positions, like <laughs> so. But he's also questionable every single day. That's true. Every day, um, every day he's probable with an ankle injury. No, but here, here's the thing. Want to want to hit something with the nomination process, and then I want to go back to you, Sells. I don't mean to pick on you. But I want you to start believing in yourself more. And I'm going to give you some suggestions in your fantasy football salary cap drafts that are going to help you out with making sure you get enough firepower up front. But to you, Hallam, I've actually thought about this because I'm someone that is notorious for throwing out some of the guys that are going to be drafted in Snake in top three rounds. I'm notorious of throwing them out so I can get some money off the board. Used to be Travis Kelsey. I would always throw out first. However, I am going to say this, and this especially in baseball, because there is a very big theory that you go after who you want when it comes to fantasy baseball. So when it comes to rather salary cap drafts. So what I do is if I want that number one player that I know for the most part is going to go at that number one value, I'll throw them out there first. Here's why. Often in the first round, people need to warm up a little bit. There's also a little bit of hesitation to spend. People want to, there are some that will go in early right away. And I know that if I want one of those three top tier picks, top picks, number one guys, I'm going to have to nominate them in that first round before people are all in their comfort zone and they're willing to spend up even more. They'll be, I've found this, they'll be a little bit more tentative if you have that first three bid and you put that out there. I completely agree because even I, I still, even though this year, like I've really made a point to change my philosophy because I was a hold my, my, money kind of guy. And I, I saw that didn't work and I really worked on changing my philosophy this year and I, definitely did that in labor i like bought like seven of the first 20 guys uh but yeah i think you know i i got garrett cole it was an accident i moved my laptop and i hit the mouse and it bid for me and i got him and i didn't mean to and when that happened i was like damn now i need to you know kind of change my whole philosophy because i just spent 52 bucks on the first guy out of you know and then like two minutes later i was like no i don't <laughs> no i'm fine and and i think yeah i think you see certain people that you're a half hour in and they haven't made a purchase yet. And like, I don't want to be that person anymore. So yeah, I, I made a, a very conscious effort this year to, to not be that because there is no reason to wait because most of the time the elite of the elite comes out in the first 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you're not going to win with a bunch of guys who are 10th at the position. You're just not. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really a guy who holds his money. If I see a player that I want to go after him, doesn't matter if they're the first guy up on the board or one of the last guys up on the board. Now I will say that my home baseball league, which is a 21 team auction league, which is so tough. I can't get anybody else at fantasy alarm to join it. <laughs> um, we nominate differently 
in that league, which I think brings in a little bit more strategy, and it's interesting to see how it plays out because we don't nominate by player. We pull MLB teams out of a hat, and then we read off the positions in alphabetical order. So pitcher, you go alphabetically, and then when you get to a guy you want to bid on, let's say it's the Yankees, they get to Garrett Cole, you toss out a dollar amount, actually a quarter amount because we bid with quarters. Oh, my Um, God. Well, it's a hundred dollar budget. It's not a oh, okay. Okay. It's a hundred dollar budget. Not fun at all. It sounds like it takes three weeks. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean it's generally about a ten hour draft. Um, <laughs> but there is strategy to it a little bit more than the other ones because instead of tracking players that are left, you're tracking teams that are left. So, for example, and you can only bid on a guy if you have an active roster spot open in that position. So you oh don't God. pay for the bench. You just pay for your active roster spots, right? <laughs> Fensty is dying over here. Um, so, for example, two years ago, the Phillies were the last team out of the bag. Okay? And basically everybody except for two people forgot that the Phillies hadn't come off the board yet. And so those two people had outfield spots left open. So one of them got Bryce Harper for a ridiculously cheap 75 cents out of a $100 budget, okay? Because they were everybody else had bid up some useless outfielders forgetting there was still an entire other team left. So it brings some different strategy to it because you can't just, you know, nominate your players right off the bat. Um, but going back to what Fensty said, there is still that hesitancy in the first couple of teams for people to bid up on guys, even if they're loaded rosters. Like, let's say the Dodgers come out. There's still some hesitancy to spend a ridiculous amount of money on guys that should go for high prices, like Mookie Betts and Bellinger and, um, well, Bueller's kept by me, so he can't go for a high price. But um, Kershaw, you know, there's still hesitancy there. But when we get past the first couple of teams, then you start seeing guys go for more money than they probably should because people have warmed up and they got into the flow and they're like, oh, I don't want to miss out on guys, so i got to go bid up higher than I should. So that same philosophy still happens in our league. But, you know, going back to the football thing, I don't know. I've tried every strategy in the book over the last, like, seven years. I just cannot. I think it has to do with the short the – sh- the relatively shorter player pool. Sells, uh, I don't mean any disrespect to you <laughs> with what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say some things, and I'm going to use some bad words. Oh. And I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to use some bad words. Just kidding. But I'm going to say I can see why people are hesitant in joining this league. Yeah, it's, it's tough. That. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to be real with you. You know, I love salary cap drafts so much, and that style you play really takes the fun out of it for me. And I mean, they each their own. Award you no points or dollars, (laughs) and may God have mercy on your soul. Seriously. You know what? I finished second in this league two years in a row. You know, it makes. Makes me think of that gift for the the what is his name from the Hangover with all the things the the math equations <laughs> oh, the, going yeah, on. Yeah, Yeah, that's doing the Rain Man thing when he's in the poker room. 
That's what made me think of describing the the auction process. It's not a frowned upon. (laughs) I mean, I think it's a creative way to do it so you don't have to spend money on bench guys and somebody can't load up on, like, seven outfielders and cause other people some problems. It is right. Um, And then we have a taxi round after that that's a snake that fills the bench spot. Um, (laughs) But that one doesn't take very long. The snake... The snake draft takes like I don't know an hour top. Bro, the Passover Seder takes a shorter amount of time than yeah. than this draft of yours. Seriously, who sits there for ten hours? What do you guys do all day? Just sit there and draft? I'd be passed out. Well, okay, so it takes ten hours, but there's like a forty-five minute break for lunch. There's a few breaks in the morning and the afternoon in between teams, and there's a half hour break between the auction and the taxi to. Uh, research the guys that are still left. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? You have to like baseball to like my league, and that's fine. First of all, I, I love going to baseball games, and I do love the sport of baseball. Despite all that it's gone through, I do still love the sport of baseball. But And I, and I do like fantasy baseball, but that that's just all. That's a lot, Cell. So you will, I mean, you must. Yeah, but the, okay. So the other side of this, though, is that we don't really make pickups during the season. We get three players during the season. Okay. So it's almost like a draft and hold, right? Okay. It's not like your four hour auction draft and then you get daily waivers or weekly waivers or whatever. You're drafting a 35 man roster that you're only going to add potentially three players to and they're keepers. So the research is all in draft day. The league setup is all in draft day. It's essentially a draft and hold in auction format. So, so I get it. So you're putting you're really putting it all in your draft. It's almost like a it's right. almost like a almost like a best ball. Yeah, I mean we still have weekly roster moves. So okay. Like, so like I can change some guys around on Sunday nights for Monday through Sunday, but you're not picking up there's no weekly waivers. No fab, no whatever. It's like, you get three picks during the rest of the season to add either active guys or prospects. Right. So if I put it in that sense, it makes it's not like, you know, your standard auction and then you can change everything the following week anyway. Yeah, let's let's make Matt Sells a better fantasy football salary cap draft <laughs> player here because Sells, I think one of the things that you need to do and I think this will help you, is I think you need to old school physically write with something called a pen or a pencil. You know (laughs) what that is, right? Not everyone does. So you'll write with a pen or pencil or some kind of writing utensil, essentially dollar amounts of players that you would want on your team. Maybe a list of 13. Think of a dollar amount that's fair. You can always look at our fantasy alarm draft guides, which are living and constantly changing if you need a little bit of a backboard, but have your own values because what you're going to do is you're going to take the value you're comfortable with and you're going to add a plus five, especially if it's a core player. And you're going to have that piece of paper and you're going to see that and you're not going to have any anxiousness because part of a salary cap draft is going after who you want. You talk about you worried about whether or not you're aced out of the running backs. Well, you go after your top running back. You want Christian McCaffrey, throw him out there first. You go after him. Have the dollar values of those players in different tiers, by the way. That will help you, and it will keep you in check. I'm telling you, I started doing that, and it made me a better player. And, Ryan, to your point as well, 
I was the person that thought it was a strategy and I was mind effing my league mates by sitting there for the first hour of the salary cap draft, not spending intentionally. The problem is one year, and I believe it was Todd Gurley's rookie year where he missed, I believe it was the first five or six games due to a knee injury. And I ended up with a running back core of Todd Gurley and Reggie Bush. Yeah, I didn't win that league. I sucked. I couldn't come back from that. And that's because I waited and waited. And while people were intrigued, what was it doing? Because I'm going to be sitting there. If I see you waiting and waiting and I see you going in on no one, the second you go in, I'm going to be a shark because I'm going to have enough money and I'm going to bid your ass up. And other people will notice too. What do you think about that, Ryan? I'm impressed. (laughs) I got my my heart palpitation off that little ring. You got to control the pace, but you have to, you can't do it where you're all of a sudden stuck spending and stuck all of a sudden with the bag. And no, go ahead. No, you go for it. Go. I was going to, I was just going to, I was going to do one last thing. Cause it's something, another thing I was thinking about in my, what, what is your thoughts on if you're still looking to your, your say that someone's going for $13 and you're like, I have no problem going 14. Do you go 14 right away? Or do you wait three or four seconds to be like, all right, I don't want to seem too anxious. Oh, I, I run that clock down. Well, here's here's the thing. If you're in, are you in a bidding war at this point, or are you you just trying to show you have interest? I, I, I'm talking about just being casual. No, not in a bidding war. Being just... casual the first time you wait until that final second. If you find yourself in a bidding war with someone, you have to get to them early. Meaning they go up a dollar. Okay, take your time. Go up a dollar. They go up again. You immediately go up again. You don't waste any time. You immediately throw that ball back in their court because you want to stun them a little bit. I've also it's- discovered that if I'm in a bidding war, a jump bid of two bucks mm, usually does the trick because now yes. they're like, well, now I got to pay $3 more than my last bid. Do I want to do that? Because that's three bucks. It's like an well, entire other player. You want to break the pattern cells, and that's totally right. – I agree with you. If you're going up one and I'm going up one, we're back and forth, you go up two. You want to make your opponent hesitate because he who hesitates is lost at that point. And with that, you want to be able to make your opponent think when you're in the salary cap draft. You want to stay focused on your player, and that's where cells goes in there. And one more strategy I'll give you before we go to that. I love this freaking topic. I love salary cap drafts so much. There's so much. The psychology, I'm not an analytics guy. The psychology of fantasy sports, that's where I'm going to get you. That's where if we're in a draft together, I'm going to have you marked. If you're we're in a league together and I start asking you, so what players do you like? You better not answer me. I'm warning you right now because I'm a good friend. But the one more strategy I'll tell you, I'll save for the family table, guys. We each got to bring one thing per the tradition. Let's start with you, Matt Sells. What are you bringing to the table? Uh, I'm going to bring to the table, do not blame a disease for a poor choice of words. Oh, yes. I almost did the same thing, Matt. Okay. There is a high school women's basketball coach uh, for Norman High School, which I believe to be Norman, Oklahoma, but I'm not 100% sure. It's just the first one that pops to mind, who said a racist phrase was, on a wait, hot wait, wait. wait 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 he was not the coach he was the guy calling the game oh the guy calling the game okay the guy calling the game yeah also known thank you for, as the broadcaster thank the broad- you for correcting me yeah. um yeah said a racist thing and came out with a press release <laughs> i believe today 
that said it's not an excuse. There's no excuse for saying that he's a family man. He's married. He's got a couple of kids. He used to be a youth pastor and still goes to Baptist church, all of which I'm not sure exactly what has to do with what he said. Uh, But then to wrap up the press release, he states, I suffer from type one diabetes and my sugar was spiking during the game. And I have been known to say hurtful and inappropriate things when my sugar spikes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so first of all, this is a known issue. And also, if you're likely to say it when your sugar spikes, what's keeping you from saying it normally? Because I don't know people who suddenly turn racist when they get a little (laughs) too much cake. Like, type 1 diabetes isn't something to be made fun of. An ex-girlfriend of mine has type 1 diabetes, and I know it's a serious thing. You can lose limbs and all sorts of horrible side effects. But I didn't realize that a racist mouth was a side effect of diabetes. So let's just own up to it. Say you said something stupid, like Marty Brenneman, who then proceeded to call the game while apologizing for a terrible remark he made while then resigning his post in the middle of the game. Let's pull that off instead of, oh, by the way, I have type 1 diabetes and I was a little sugary and I said a racist thing. That doesn't work so well. I mean, my point was, if you know that's an issue, which we all know this is just BS, don't you take care of that before you, like, go call a game? Like, make my, sure that you're, you're eating enough? You're, you're, there's, like, a thousand ways to monitor this. You could take some, you know, drink some, you know, there's all sorts of ways to remedy that situation, right? I, believe I don't he understand. Said this, I believe you said the slur twice, too, so really, yeah. sugar must have really been off. Ugh. Yeah, not not a good not a good look. I'm sorry, but that's I a bad. So much about this. How am? What are you bringing to the table? All right. Well, I will be a little more positive. This isn't really uh, relevant to anyone but me. But I got my first vaccine last Saturday. Yay. Uh, moving closer to normalcy, baby. It's a great feeling. Uh, I just love to see all the progress we're making. I have a feeling by the second half of the baseball season, things might be normal. Uh, so, man, it, it just feels good to like be hearing good news about this. Uh, you know, things are things are moving in the right direction. So, uh, it, it did hurt for one day. That was all. Uh, so, everybody, get it. Let's get off through this and let's get back to normal life. Yeah, the man just wants to go and drink some beer without having to wear a mask while drinking the beer. That's all he wants to do. That's why the helmets were made. Just slip the straws past the mask. <laughs> wow. Your helmets? Dude, we got we to gotta get some. We got to invent something here. No, they have the helmets. I know the they have the helmets. Beers. We got to invent something better. The helmet's been around forever. And then just run the straws on either side of the mask and into your mouth. Nobody will. Yeah. They fine. I don't think they have those at breweries, my friend. But Bring one with you. Yes. All right, I'm going to give one more strategy for salary cap drafts. And this is something, if you're in a bidding war, something you could do, it's called going to the nines. And how what that means is seeing a new decade is very daunting to the eye, especially when you're in a bidding war. So you're going up to three, they're going to four, you're going to five, they're going to six. Or let's just say they're at five. And you're gonna you you have your budget. And it's a player you want. Go to nine. Go to put them at nineteen. If you're going up 15, 16, just go up to nineteen. No one's gonna want to hit the next decade. And if here's another one. If you do want the player that badly and you're on the nines, don't go up to twenty. Go up to twenty one. 
very daunting to the eye for some reason. It's the psychology. That's how it's going. At the salesman on Twitter is Matt Sells. Get his NASCAR content and dominate and win. Ryan Hallam at Fighting Chance. You can always, especially during football season, get his game previews and then dominate even more. And I'm at Fensty Sports on Twitter. And you can just hang with me and you can dominate from the psychological standpoint. It's family times. Let's all dominate together as one as a family should. Let's win.